Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, December 12th, 2021. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 19. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. If you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, it was, uh, it's, it's good to see everybody closer together um, this week. I, I leave and go away, and everybody's apart, and we, Jimmy preaches, and, and uh, now, what did you say, Lori? <laughs> and now here we are back together, so it's good to, to be here this morning, and I, I hope I listened to Jimmy, me and Kristen listened to Jimmy's sermon this, earlier this week, and um, it's, I hope we've been standing on God's promises this week, and moving forward, and pressing on, and so... Before we begin, one quick announcement. Next week, we'll be doing our responsive reading through the pre-incarnate Christ all the way to His coming back, and we'll be singing seven or eight songs together, and so it'll be set up a little bit differently, but we will not have nursery next week um, because there won't be a formal sermon, so we'll be standing up, sitting down. There shouldn't be any distractions, so bring your kids in, and uh, we'll, we, we look forward to this time, um, this, this time next week, so no nursery next week. Hebrews 3, I'm going to read verses 7 to 19, and this sermon is, has to be, it's the text, of course, but it has to be one of the most serious sermons that, that I feel I have preached in a long time, and, uh, and it, I think it gets at the practical application of the writer to Hebrews, to, to the Hebrews at that time and for us today. And so the title of the sermon before I read is a warning against unbelief. So Hebrews 3, starting in verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, so that's to us today, the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. In verse 12, this is really the bulk of the sermon today. Take care, brothers and sisters. Leading, excuse me, take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be any of you in you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened, by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. For who were those who, who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was He provoked for 40 years. 
Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did He swear that they would not enter His rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for these words. As the Holy Spirit, the writer of these words says to us, Father, give us ears to hear and eyes to see that we may not fall into this category. That we might look unto Christ and be saved. I pray that today the gospel would be preached, even as we've sung it already. What good words to sing about the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that He would be lifted up, that He would be more beautiful to us. I pray that He would increase, that, that I and that we would decrease. In spite of me, I pray that You would work greatly. I pray that we would approach these words with humility. And Father, we say, help us, teach us. Father, we are listening today. We give You this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to do it right from the beginning. If you are kids, look up here at me. If you're young, really young, most of you are looking at me anyway. But if you've ever gone to the beach, it's probably a little older kids, but gone to the beach and there are some strong currents that, you know, they put up some signs and your parents say, you know, do not swim right there because those currents are so strong they might pull you out into the ocean. And so I, I think when you think about that, though, why would your parents do that? Well, because it's dangerous. And if you disobey your parents to go swim in that place, it may be your very last swim. I think some years ago, I remember our family went down to Cherry Grove Beach. And if you've ever been there where Cherry Grove turns into from, from South Carolina to North Carolina, there's an inlet there that, that separates an island. Well, the currents come in, and they go out, and they're very dangerous. Well, there was this one family, and you guys may remember this. We were there the week it happened, but this family, father, not the mother, but the father and the kids, even some small kids, tried to swim across. And, the, and, and then, I forget if it came in or went out, but it, it basically was so dangerous that the father lost his life that day, that particular day. And there, was, there were signs and it was obvious, the warning that, that came their way, but yet it resulted in the death of this father. What a tragic example. Well, today, when we come to our text, we see, I think, what is the most urgent and pastoral warning that, that, that there can be that comes from the entire book of Hebrews. Look at verse 12. Take care. That's what we are after today. We want to take care. Take care, brothers. And that's brothers and sisters. Lest there be any, any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So our warning today is not merely do not swim in the bad currents, but do not fall away from the living God. So our, our first warning this morning was stay away from physical danger and death. But today, in our text, 
Our text warns us to stay away from spiritual death and separation from God. And so we need this text today. I have three questions that I want to answer. The first is, what is unbelief? That'll take up the most of our time here in our explanation. Second question, what is the danger of unbelief? Pretty simple. What is unbelief? What is the danger? And then final, what is our remedy? What are we going to do about it? And that's where we're going to have some applications. So number one, what is unbelief according to this text? So to many in this world, this may seem simple. Most of the world would say, I believe in God. So in order to answer this question, we must consider the context in order to go a little bit deeper and pull back the onion layers to get what is at the root of unbelief. We must remember this letter was written to Hebrews, particularly, I believe, Hebrew Christians of that day who made a profession and were moving towards Christ, professing Him, calling themselves Christians. Look back at chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, that's brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So who, he's writing to Christians. Then look back at chapter 3, verse 6. And we are his house. Notice what the author says next. If we hold fast our confession and our boasting in our hope. And look also at chapter 3 here in our verses today, verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. You see, there were these, these were the folks who were making, who had made professions. But then what they were doing was they were returning back to Moses and the Mosaic laws. So they were coming to Christ and then they were leaving and going away. Some of them are thinking about considering going away. And so that's why this pastor, this, I, <clears throat> This person who wrote this letter is, as a pastor, saying, beware, take care. And so what he does, as we'll see throughout the book of Hebrews, is he will quote from the Old Testament, particularly Psalm 95. And, uh, and so he wants to explain what it is that they are in danger of doing. And so with that in mind, he defines, I believe, and we will see this, unbelief. So look at verses 7 to 11. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test, and they saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with, with that generation. And I said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So, for the next few minutes, I want us to think together about this story. You've heard it many times. But I want us to think back to the wilderness and what happened when Israel came out of Egypt. By the great power of God, Moses led them out. Led them out from Many, many, many years of bondage in slavery. And they came out of Egypt. Let me ask you, where were they headed when they came out? Just out to the desert? No, they had a destination. It was back to the land of Canaan, 
Remember, what was, what was Canaan? What was the land? It was the promised land. So this is God's promise to them. I'm going to take you back there, and I'm going to fulfill my promise. So that's where they're headed. headed. And so from there, do you remember what happened? Well, the very first two years, as they were heading back that way, preparing to go into the land, they were filled with miracles. Think about it. What did Moses do whenever there was no water? So let's just go back even further. The, the very first, I don't know how long they'd been, been going. It was in the first two years. I imagine the first few months, they ran out of water. And, and so basically, Moses took a log because the water they had come to was bitter, very, very bitter, and they couldn't drink it. And so they're, they're, they're saying, we're going to thirst to death. So Moses takes a log, and he throws it in the water. And what happens to the water? The water becomes sweet. Well, that's the Hebrew way of saying, we can now drink this water. So we see a major miracle. So God provides for them to have something to drink. And so, and there, the Bible says, this is Exodus 15, by the way, that God tested them there which is the text here in Hebrews says, is, says the same. So Exodus 15, 26. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to my voice, to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and you give ear to his commandments, and you keep all his statutes, then I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord your healer. In other words, he was saying to his people there, Obey me, and you will live. So then, after that first miracle, they set out again. And this time, they ran out of food. They'd, they'd been out of Egypt, and everything they'd carried along with them, I guess, had run out. There was, there was nothing to eat. And do you remember what happened? They complained greatly. And they said, Moses, you brought us out in the desert to kill us, and now it's better off if we go back to Egypt. Yet, in his love and his grace and his mercy, what did God do? He sent manna from heaven, fell on the ground. And the Bible says they ate that manna for the next 40 years. Imagine. Well, the manna came down, and there they are all happy for, for a moment. And then they decided, hey, the manna was a, it's just a bit, it's too, I don't know what it was, would have been. But they complained. They wanted something else to eat. So what did God do again? Even after they had complained. And this, we're looking time at, this is probably the third or fourth time this, something like this had happened. God sends quail. I can figure. They're, I don't know if they're alive. I don't understand that. You guys might know, can fact check that better than me. But they had quail to eat. God sent them meat with their, with their water and with their manna. And what did they do? They complained again. So... They continue on their journey. We're still in the first two years of the desert, of the 40 years. They continue on their journey. They come to a place called Rephidim. And then what happens? They run out of water again. And so what happened? They complained, and they rebelled against God again, and they tested God. But in His great love, again, with grace and mercy for His people, God told Moses to strike the rock great miracle, water comes out of the rock, the Bible tells us. 
and water flowed out abundantly, and they had water again. And what did they do after this? They complained again. But we could do a sermon there and say, well, boy, that's, that certainly has been me <laughs> in many times of my life. But they complained again as water came abundantly from the rock. And so what's interesting here is that during their complaining, they renamed that place, and they called it by two names. One name is Meribah, the second name is Masa. Well, do you know what Meribah and Masa mean? Meribah means rebellion. Masa means testing. Exodus 17.7 says, And he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah because of the rebellion or the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is God among us or is he not? Now you think about it. If you had been there, and we can just kind of think about it ourselves. If you'd have been there and God had given you water twice and manna and quail and provided all these things and you've seen the miracles of the past and you are still complaining, it's very easy for us to see this is rebellion and it is testing. So how in the world, we often say, can they think this about God after everything that he had done? After all they had witnessed, the plagues, the miracles, the destruction of Pharaoh's armies, the miraculous gifts of manna and quail and water and sweet water. And our text today, even in Hebrews 3, highlights these two characteristics of unbelief. So that's what we're looking at. And that's why I went back to that. These two characteristics. Look at verse 8. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Well, if you go back and you look at Psalm 95, it's the word Meribah. And so, if you keep going and then look, look back at verse 8 there. Do not harden your hearts as in, as in the Meribah, rebellion, on the day of testing Masa in the wilderness. And so it's very clear that those Hebrews would have known this story, and they would have known the Hebrew words of Meribah and Masa. And so they're thinking, what is this? Well, let's continue. That's not all. They're in the desert after this time. They continue their journey. So they're still continuing to the promised land. Then they come to a place called Kadesh. And so there at Kadesh, it is time. It is time for them to go into the land that God has given them and to take possession of God's promise. So this is their opportunity to believe God. So what happened? They sent out 12 spies to go out into the land and see what the land was like. So they go out. They saw its inhabitants. They saw its produce. They saw its beauty. And they come back. And what do they say? Do you remember? Ten of them, ten of them say... Yes, the land is beautiful. Yes, the land is plentiful. But the people there are giants and they're big and they will take us. We cannot go into that land. Of course, two men, Caleb and Joshua, say, God is with us. We can take the land because God is with us. God is on our side. And so what happens? This, this is 
this is a, a crucial moment in the history of Israel. Because there it is. What are you going to do? Well, we know what they do. They follow the side of the ten who says we cannot go into the land. And let me just say this with, with the greatest clarity that I can say, that this was the greatest example of unbelief in the history of Israel up until the time of Christ. Nothing compares. And so those Hebrews that this author was writing to, they would have understood this story perfectly. Look at verse 19. So we see they were unable to enter because of what? Unbelief. So what they did was they looked out into this most beautiful promise of God, in the most beautiful land, and they knew what He had done in the past to bring them there. They saw His ways, and then they rejected Him. They rejected His promise. And this is seen in their rebellion and testing, the Meribah and the Masa that we see. Now, you might say, well, Pastor, John, I see their rebellion. I see it greatly. But in what way were they testing God? Have you ever thought about that? Because God says, do not put me to the test. Well, simply put, to test God is to see and receive His blessings over and over and over again and then still rebel in your heart against God and His promises. And then... And then all the time to think that even in your rebellion, this is very important, even in your rebellion, that God will continue to pour out His blessings upon you even while you are rebelling against Him, no matter what you do. To put it another way, to test God is to say, you trust Him, I trust you, God. And then continue in your sin Supposing that God will save you no matter what you do. Do you remember Jesus in the desert when, when Satan tempted Jesus? Satan took him up on a mountain. Let me read this from Matthew 4. He took him up to the holy city and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, he was saying, Satan, I will not sin by listening to your words, putting myself in danger, presuming God will save me. I will not put God to the test. This is what Israel did in the desert and this is what the Hebrews in the early church were in danger, well, here's the warning, of doing. And so this is what pastor's saying. Do not see and receive everything that God is, has given you and then turn away from the living God. And that is to look unto Christ. And so that is truth number one. What is unbelief? And we're going to add to that when we get back to the applications. Truth number two. Question number two, what is the danger of unbelief? Well, let's go back to our story to answer this question. What happens after the 12 spies come back and report? Well, 
The people, says here in Numbers 14, the people raised a loud cry. And the people wept that night. They weren't crying and weeping. Yes, Lord, that's us. We can take the land. They were crying and weeping in fear and unbelief. And they said to Moses, Moses, would that we have died in the land of Egypt. Or it would have been better for us to die in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones, they will become a prey. Boy, that's, a, that's another one too. Sometimes we don't trust God even because we believe that our children will be better off if we don't trust Him. But, he's, but, but Numbers 14 here says, Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And here's what happens. Very serious. After two years in the desert, God says, None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, none of them shall see the land that I promised to give to their fathers, except Joshua and Caleb. And then it gets worse. Not only will that generation not go into the land, but God says, their dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness, here in our text today. And you shall suffer for your faithlessness. Brothers and sisters, this is unbelief. This is an evil, unbelieving heart. This is what it means to fall away from the living God. And the result of unbelief and death and separation from God is death and separation from God and his promise of salvation. Look at verses 16 to 19. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Sin, unbelief, disobedience, it's all the same thing. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So there's the, there's the danger. Third question. What is the remedy of unbelief? Now, so this, as we come to this question, this is going to be our time of application. So what do we take from this passage today? What is the, the remedy of unbelief? Well, the short answer is believe God. Believe His promises. But it is at this point we must consider the question of unbelief and its danger in light of the gospel of Christ. Because we are, after all, not Hebrews. There may be someone who is here who is a Jew, but we are not Hebrews in the sense we have come after and we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're Christians today. That's why we're here, because we're Christians. So what do we do? How do we understand this passage in light of the gospel of Christ as regards the love of God in sending the Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever unbelieves, whoever is faithless, no, whoever believes in Him will not perish as they did in the desert, but they will have everlasting life. Brothers and sisters, the principle 
of unbelief is the same. The result of unbelief is always the same. But today, this is very important, today for us, God's promise isn't merely the land of Canaan. Okay? It's not just that. It's not just an earthly blessing of a land that we can place our feet on and eat good things. That's not all that it is. And God's promise doesn't merely come through Moses, who was a servant of the house. Remember a couple weeks ago? But Jesus is the builder of the house. So God's words do not come down to us today as Christians merely in the, through this servant Moses. But God's promise of salvation comes down through the Son, who is the fulfillment of all God's promises. This is what Hebrews is all about. And I, I keep saying it over and over and over, and I'm going to say it again today. Long ago, if you'll go back to verse chapter 1, verse 1, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of His nature. <laughs> and after... So many things, but after making purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of God. There's the cross of Christ. So today, as Christians, whom I believe these words are written to, how much greater a rejection, how much greater the sin of unbelief, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Hebrews 6, look with me there. Hebrews 6, just turn over a couple pages. 6 verse 4 and following. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. Look over at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. This is exactly what Israel was doing as we told the story. Think about this. Hebrews 10, 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there, is no, long, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So what are our applications? Application to us. Listen to the Word of God. Today, if you hear, today, if you hear His voice, there is a real danger as a father says to his children, do not swim in the dangerous currents or you will die. In verse 7, God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts 
as in the days of rebellion. Look with me at chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, lest any of us should seem to have failed to reach it, the Bible says also that today is the day of salvation. So today, if you hear his voice, press on, look unto Christ. Do not fall away, do not move away, do not go there. Another application. Unbelief is disobedience. We get this from the text, but how do we know that Israel did not believe God? Because of their works. They rebelled and they said, we're going to follow the ten. And they tested God. Brothers and sisters, faith and works go hand in hand. If we call ourselves a Christian and then our works do not match up with what the Bible says. Particularly, I can, we can just go to 1 John alone. If you don't love God's people, if you don't love God's Word, if you don't obey the, obey the commands of Christ, and you say, I'm a Christian, this is, this is disobedience. Faith and works go together. James says, faith without works is what? Dead. Another application. Since... We have this gospel today, as, as Christians, since we have this gospel, we must take every opportunity we have to improve upon and grow in the knowledge of this gospel and to grow in obedience. In my quiet times this week, I've been reading through the book of Revelation because my system has me at the very end now, at the end of the year, at Revelation. And chapters 2 and 3 come to mind of Revelation. If you remember chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation, Christ is speaking to seven churches. The very first one is Ephesus. And here's what he says. And this is in light of, for us, our application. Take every opportunity now to improve upon the gospel through our obedience. But here's what he says to the church at Ephesus. Very convicting. He says, I know you are enduring patiently and you're bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. So he's praising them for something. But then he says, but this I have against you. That you abandon the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Do you, the same kind of warning we see in Hebrews, is it not? Jesus is saying, repent. Improve upon what I have given you in obedience to move on. And, don't, and, and we could read some of the other ones there as well. But I was so convicted even of my own obedience or lack thereof this week another application the more we sin the more we sin the more we are deceived the more we turn away from the living God the more we are hardened if I don't know if you remember I forget exactly where it was in chapter 2 maybe 
where it says that we are in danger of drifting away. He says, don't let it be. That was the first warning. The more we sin, the more we are deceived. Look at verse 13, chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. And if we sin, if we move down a particular way, we will become more and more and more hardened to the gospel, and we will be in danger of death and separation from God. I, I think just an example of my own life, back to the currents. I mean, I, I've, I've swam at Cherry Grove before where the, I know the currents are, are dangerous, so I go way down there. I'll go down three or four motels. But you've been there before when the wind's blowing really hard and you're into it, and you start swimming, about 30 minutes later, you look up, you're like, that's not, that, that's not where, where my beach towel was sitting. And then you realize you are right on the edge of that current because you've just drifted right down because you haven't been paying attention. Well, this is what sin does. If we continue down, whether they're sins of commission or sins of omission, it's deceitful and the more hardened we come. So I would say to you, Brothers and sisters, do not let this be. This is a pastoral warning. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Another application. When we reject the promise of God, we reject God. When we reject the promise of God, they, re they rejected the land. And then when they did that, they rejected the God who, God who gave them that promise. Now, I do not think that even in that day, that first two years, that the Israelites, that generation, they didn't stop believing in God, did they? Of course not. In fact, we see, then they say, when God told them that, then they try to go to war with, a, with another nation, and they get beat because God takes his hand off of them. And so they don't become atheists all of a sudden. They still believe, do they not? They had a kind of faith, but not saving faith. Look again at verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10 in our text. They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. I think of Isaiah's generation. When the Old Testament prophet Isaiah was preaching, God says to him, Isaiah, go and preach to this people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Keep on, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy. Blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and they hear with their ears and they understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Brothers and sisters, if you sit here week after week and you hear and hear and hear, do not turn away from what you hear. I think of Jesus. He speaks in parables to who? The religious leaders of his day. He says to them that they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. It's Mark 4.12. There are many who claim to know God and even His Son, but do not know His ways. This is why this warning is so important for us. Another application. There will come a time when it will be too late. The Scriptures teach there is a sin unto death which is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And in nature, 
This is exactly what the Israelites did in the desert. They died in the desert. This is exactly what the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they did as well. Because they saw him, they saw his miracles, they heard his words, and yet they rejected him in spite of all of those. And and we're looking back and we have the word, but they were right there with him. They saw every single one of those. And they rejected him. They knew everything that God had done through him. And so when we speak of this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, this is a great mystery because only God knows when this will happen. Even in the wilderness, how many times the water, the manna, the quail, the water, the opportunity to go into the land. And we don't know all the other times during this time of testing. That was their time of testing. We're also, in a manner of speaking, always in a time of testing, are we not? Are we going to obey and move on towards Christ? Are we going to disobey and turn and move away from Him? Very clearly. So I would say to you, if you find yourself dangerously close to this in your heart, even if you call yourself a Christian, this warning is for you and it's for me. So let me, let me ask another question while we're on this application real quickly. Can Christians commit apostasy? I would say absolutely not. They cannot. So why does this book of Hebrews, why does this pastor address Christians if Christians cannot commit apostasy? Well, to me it's pretty simple. I believe this is God's means to an end. This is the great means of a loving God to give us these warnings. That's why these warnings are for us. Yes, if we swim in the dangerous currents, we will die. But you know what we do? Those who have the Holy Spirit, you know what we do? We listen. We listen to our parents when they say, don't go into the dangerous currents. That's what we do. Hebrews 6, 9, which is why I say this is for Christians. Because if you look over there, look with me, Hebrews 6, 9. The writer says, though we speak in this way, this way like this, like I'm speaking today, very serious pastoral words to take this warning. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. Things that belong to salvation. I believe these warnings are for Christians, for those in the church. And we're going to see a lot more coming up in Hebrews. Think about it. How does falling away or drifting away apply to those who've never considered God in His ways? We don't preach that to the world because they haven't even heard about the good news of Christ. And so what is so dangerous to us is that those who are the closest to the truth, hear me clearly on this, if you hear one thing, those of us who hear it week in, and week out, and we're closest to the truth, are in the most danger of apostasy. This is why these words are so important for us to hear today. And yes, they are also for, if there are non-Christians sitting here, then maybe God will use this today to say, you know what, I've heard, I, I profess Christ, or maybe I've never made a profession The outcome is the same for all who do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, believe in God 
believe also in me. And so I do believe these warnings are dealing with those who commit apostasy. That's clearly a context. Those who know the truth, those who've tasted the truth, those who've benefited from the blessing of, of God in the church. But at the end of the day, all unbelief in God's Son results in the same. And so, brothers and sisters, be warned this morning. And, and they're coming from a man who also must take heed to these very same warnings. We are the same. The only reason I'm an elder or a pastor, or any of your elders here are pastors, is because the, the congregation has seen fit that, that I or we have these qualities and we're able to teach, but we are all the same. We are all part of God's house. No difference. And so I take these very serious. I'm not just standing up here telling you. I, I, have, I have wept this week over my own sins in my heart. And to think just this on and on, the sins through my life. And just the thought, God, may it not be me. Don't let me. I just pray, God, don't let me fall into this boat. I don't want to. And so I, I take these warnings more serious, or hopefully not more serious, but I hope we all take them the same in seriousness. These are for us. And so another application. I've got two more. This one and one more. Application. Look at verse 13. Exhort one another. He says, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So when you look next to you, and you look next to you, and you turn around behind you, when we walk out of this place, as brothers and sisters, we should say, how are you doing? Are you looking unto Christ? Are you trusting Him? Parents are doing that every day in our homes to our kids. Are you trusting Christ? Do not fall away. And I feel for our kids more than anybody because they're going to hear it even longer. And we know that God is the one that gives, gives grace. God is the one who gives mercy. God is the one who changes the heart. So all I can do is be the messenger. But we can be messengers one to another as we say, how are you? Are you trusting Christ? Are you loving? That's why we meet together. That's why we meet in our home groups. We must take this very seriously because telling one another and talking with one another seriously about these things is also God's means of grace that we may not fall away but move on. This is a, this is a marathon. It is not a sprint, especially if you're older. And I think, I always tell folks, and I think about my own life, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon, and God is a God of grace. <laughs> and so no matter where you're at, if you are here today, Holy Spirit's saying today, today is the day of salvation. This, it's time, it's not too late today. And so hear these warnings and repent. Final application, just not really application, just by way of concluding this sermon. This warning comes from the most loving God and Father. To use our initial illustration, as a loving and good father, I hope that I am to my children, I would say, you know, don't swim in the dangerous currents. You will drown. So take care here, brothers, verse 12, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart 
leading you to fall away from the living God. So when I warn my children not to swim in the dangerous currents, I do it because I love them. I want them to live. I want them to prosper. I want them to go into the land. I want them to take hold of my promise. And that is Christ. Take hold of Christ. But in the same way, God is a loving Father who gives us this warning. And He says, do not harden your hearts. I don't know if you guys saw this morning on the news. Have you guys heard about the tornadoes that came through Kentucky and and lots of places in Missouri. And I, I, I was, I couldn't believe, have you seen the pictures? It is worse than any hurricane I've ever seen in the history of my life here. It is, it is unbelievable when you look at the pictures. And you know what? The, now, this is, a, this is an earthly illustration, but they, they had no warning. It just came. Brothers and sisters, we have a warning of something more serious than a coming tornado that will destroy all of our buildings. And that is this warning we have today. And so I would say to us, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And that's what Hebrews is talking about. And so keep this in mind, because we're going we're to keep coming back to this in the book of Hebrews. But just know that this has gripped me this week. And I pray that it will grip you. That even today, if you're thinking about such things, and maybe you're not a Christian, that you'll go to your parents, or you'll come to me, or you'll come, even as Jimmy I heard last week, I'll be here. Come speak to one of, one of the elders. Look unto Christ and be saved. If you are a Christian and you feel like, man, I'm falling away, well then just repent. Listen to these words and say, God, thank you today for this warning that you've given to me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning and we as a body who are Christians here today, who've heard, who've listened, we see with our eyes, we perceive by faith, we receive these words, we give thanks for your warning. And by your grace, we will obey. By your grace, we will continue. But help us. Father, other things, so much in this text and so much in this preaching of this sermon, may we walk away from this with, with just a great urgency, but also, Father, a great love in our hearts for the Father who gives us this warning. Help us this week. May we prepare even for next week as we look forward to seeing and to read and to just have good fellowship in our with our families and our friends the rest of this month. Pray that you give us grace though today to hear these words and obey them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.